To all of the veterans out there, thank you for your service. Welcome to the Street Smart Mental Health Podcast. As always, we are coming to you from the Lou Fuse Automotive Group Studio. My name is Michael Wellington, and the man across the table from me is my partner in crime. Many of you know him as the Natty King. His name is Brandon McNamee. Brandon, what is happening? Hey, dude, you were in the bathroom when Nikki came in here, and she was like, why do they call you the Natty King? Great question. She's like, that's like fucking stag. And she's like, that's just, you drank that? Like, just ripping. I'm like, hi, I'm Brandon. Nice to meet you. Just rip it. I love her. I immediately love her. Well, the Natty King just alluded to our next guest, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. who is, that's all good. Who, is, uh, who is the co-host of the Sansone Sisters podcast. Nikki Sansone, welcome to Street Smart. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. We are glad that you could carve out some time. We had... A woman reached out to us on Facebook when we first started our podcast, and, and she said that she enjoyed some of our banter and some of our discussion, and, and she asked if if we at some point would get into postpartum depression, and that is one of the reasons I reached out to you. We want to touch on that today. We want to talk about what you're doing with your podcast, with your sisters, and then you just told us off air that you have actually experienced the postpartum. Yeah. So what can you share about it with people out there that maybe aren't familiar, or maybe, maybe some guys out there that need to learn about about it for when they have children with their significant others or their husbands or their wives, excuse me, you know, what is it like? And is it as debilitating as people say? Yeah, no, that's such a good question. And I'm actually really glad that you guys are speaking on this because I know I would imagine mostly men listen to your podcast. So I think, or I'm sure it's a good mix of both. But one of the things me and my sisters talked about is we didn't want our podcast just to be centered around women. We wanted men to hear this side of it as well. So thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. You bet. Yeah. So yeah, the reason me and my sisters wanted to start this podcast, just to give you a quick background, I have seven kids in my family, not kids anymore. And everyone at this point has kids. Yeah. Except my little sister is now pregnant, which is super exciting. And you have six siblings. I have six siblings. Holy shit. Yeah. So I have two brothers and four sisters. And awesome. Here, I think here that's really cool. Though. Thank you. Here comes the kicker. My dad essentially raised a lot of us on his own because my mom passed away when I was a kid to suicide. So I was eight. My oldest brother was 17. And it was obviously incredibly hard. And then my dad. So my youngest sister was three. My dad had raised us from the time I was eight till now. And I mean, Michael knows him. He's a very dynamic person. He's incredible, incredibly strong. And he's really given us a great basis for faith and belief and hope and toughness, strength. I mean, he's given us a basis for a lot of amazing qualities that me and my sisters have. But me and my sisters were talking, we're like, God, we had all become moms. And I actually have, funny enough, I'm one of the youngest, but I have the second oldest of all the grandkids. I had my daughter right out of college and I had literally zero clue what I was doing. So I got unexpectedly pregnant, which was tough in an Italian Catholic family. It was definitely tough to share that news. About four months later, after I had my daughter, I got sober. So I've now been sober for 
almost seven years in September. Nice. Awesome. Thank you. Basically, when I had Layla, I thought I knew what parenting was. I thought I knew what motherhood was because I'd been around it my whole life. I didn't really grow up with a mom in the long-term sense. So, of course, I remember my mom. I have so many good memories of her. But then I have some of the negative ones of when she really got sick, and it was tough. So I didn't learn really how to be a mom besides from my sister-in-law, Maureen, and my older sister, Christine, because they were the only moms at that point. So basically, when I had Layla... It was just she and I. Her father was not in her life at the time, and now he is. We have a great relationship. He's a great dad. That's good to hear. Yeah, he's phenomenal. But at the time, we were both really young, found out I was pregnant with her my senior year of college, literally graduated college and had her four days later. And so- Right into the real world, huh? (laughs) Oh my God. And here I am, this like naive kid, thinking I know what I'm doing. I had no freaking clue. So I had her, and it was the craziest thing, guys, because- When I gave birth, and I'm going to get detailed here. Please do. I know there's women here that need to hear this. When I gave birth to her, it was like I had this moment where she came out. And it was just like she and I. I can't explain it. It was like literally like heaven. Like it was just she and I. It was this complete euphoric moment. And it probably lasted for three seconds, but it felt like it was eternity. And it was this beautiful moment. And then all of a sudden, it was like snap. I just heard everyone's voices. I heard the nurses' voices. They're grabbing her. They're bringing her to this heat lamp thing. Like, just all the shit. And anyone who's had a baby knows it's just a lot going on at one time. And my hormones, almost it was just like this feeling of, I can't even explain it. It was just this rush of anxiety. And I had never heard of that before. And I had only heard of postpartum depression, which is you get intrusive thoughts. You think, because... What I understood of postpartum depression is actually what I think it was what Brooke Shields talked about. And she had really severe postpartum depression where like Mm. she had thoughts of throwing her baby out a window, like really intense. Yeah, intrusive thoughts. And I struggle with intrusive thoughts. Hold on. What's intrusive thoughts? What's an intrusive thought? So intrusive thoughts is basically like another form of anxiety. And it actually comes from OCD as well. So basically like having a thought, okay, if you're standing on the Grand Canyon, you're like, what would happen if I threw myself off this, off this heights? Or like you're with your new baby and it's like, what would happen if I threw them out the window? I mean, crazy. I've had them. Now now that that you mentioned, I didn't know that's what those were. No, that's what they are. So I used to, and I'll get to those, but basically it was just this rush of anxiety. And then it was so weird because I felt connected to my daughter, but it was like, I didn't want to hold her like I I wanted to. But at the same time, I was like, oh, God, I'm going to break her. Like, I'm going to break her. I'm going to. She's too fragile. I can't. Right. Like, I can't do this. That, that makes sense. And I was like, I'm I'm a freaking 23 year old. Like, what do I know? I don't know anything. I'm literally a drunk. Like, how am I going to do this? <laughs> and I knew I was a drunk. And basically, I was just like, I have no idea how I'm going to do this. Truly no idea. And then As time went on, I was just really, really struggling and I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I was so exhausted, but it was just taking over my body. And I remember one night, my dad was really worried about me. And I don't know if you guys have ever been to Mercy, like in the 
labor and delivery wing. I had both my kids there. Okay. Yeah. You know how uncomfortable those couches oh, are. Oh, my God. <laughs> They're terrible yeah. to sleep on. sleep on the floor. So Michael knows my dad. My dad is 5'11". Sorry, Dad. He's like 220. I'm being generous there. And he, he's, I do love, he looks great. He looks great. Dad, I love you. You look amazing. But he's a big, stocky Italian He's a thick God. man. He's a thick man. Probably not going to fit man. well on that couch. Oh, exactly. That's what he's not fat. He's thick. And he's um, in his very, he's just a stocky guy. He slept on that couch all night. And he could basically hear me thinking. I remember I was laying there and I was looking at the ceiling. And this is intense, but I was like, I don't. And I had struggled with suicidal thoughts before and suicidal ideation and all that stuff. But I was like, I don't want to kill myself. Like, I'd like to be gone, but it was more like I wanted to just zip my skin off and, like, go away. I just wanted to, like, be gone. Just take a break. Just, like, yeah. Out of the- like, literally just, like, get out. And But I was like, this is my daughter. Like, I can't leave this kid. But it right. was the scariest thought. And I remember my dad said to me when he's in, like, a vulnerable moment with me, he goes back to when I was a kid and he was like, what are you thinking, my Nikki? And I was like, Dad, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And he goes, it's okay. We're going to do it together. Awesome. And then, and it was like a really beautiful moment. And then I went home and I still couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. My sister-in-law came in there and she was like, Nikki, you have to get some rest. I'm like, I literally cannot sleep. Like my anxiety was so intense that it was just The only thing I can equate it to is finding out when my mom died, where it was just like, it was so overwhelming. I felt it in every crevice of my body. I felt it in my stomach, my arms. I was getting the chills. I was getting just anxious all the time, short of breath. And then I basically just day by day, like every, each one of my sisters stayed with me and day by day, it slowly settled. And then I had this really beautiful moment with my daughter in the hospital I remember what time it was. It was 5.28 in the morning. And I remember it because I took a picture of her. She had this little cute pink bow on. And I was like, I started crying. And I was like, I'm gonna, I don't know how, but I'm going to take care of you. Like, I'm going to protect you with my life. And I just like saw her and I was so connected to her. And I was like, okay, like it's me and her. And then as I was alone with her, it just got better and better. And then I got on Lexapro. And now I'm on Lexapro and Wellbutrin. Don't think I'll ever get off. But it was a really tough thing. And I just think a lot of women don't talk about it because, A, there's those intrusive thoughts. I used to have intrusive thoughts around Layla, and it was really scary and really overwhelming. It's still kind of even hard for me to admit now because it still makes me feel shame. But... Oh, it shouldn't. Yeah. I, I had the, it shouldn't, though. It, intrusive thoughts, it's... It's just a form of anxiety. That's what my therapist, my, my psychiatrist and my therapist. I remember You would we, never do those things. Never. No fucking way. No way. <laughs> but, I know. But you think about it and you're like, what if I did? But then you have anxiety and you're like, I, I, get, yes. them all, I get them all the time. Like, exactly. Thinking like driving down the road, I'll, my kid will have her window down. I'm like, what if a rock came in right now, hit her right in the fucking head and killed her? And it's just like that thought comes in your head and you're like, damn, I can't even have the window down without having a fucking weird thought. I'm just I, glad we could put a name. I didn't know those, that's what yeah, it was called. I, I just had one recently. I was... I was at a tennis match in California about a month ago, yeah. and I was sitting really high in the stadium. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, what would happen if I just jumped? What if I just decided totally, to leap right? off? I didn't know what that was. Never I thought I was fucked up. 100%. <laughs> You'd never do it. 
No, no, never do it. Right. Just, that reminders. This is never fucking what happened. A hundred percent. And and it's it's really the way to like humanize that is what you just did with me as being like you would never do it. Never and it was it. like my psychiatrist. I will never forget. And I freaking owe my life to this man, Nigel Lester. He's at Palm Health. He's incredible. He's like saved my life. He said to me, I remember I came in and I told him the intrusive thoughts I was having around Layla. I'm like, you can take her away. Like I like I was convinced like he's going to call DFS. Like I'm and He was like, he just smiled. He's like, Nikki. And he has this like slight English accent. And he's like, has a very soft voice. And he's just the best. Oh, I like this guy. I know he's the best. He like calms my whole an- anxious mind. And he was like, Nikki, you're just having intrusive thoughts. Mm-hmm. That's all this is. It's just anxiety in a form of an intrusive thought process. And so I think way more moms and dads deal with that than they want to admit. And like, I want to touch on that. This is not just exclusive to moms. I know a lot of dads who deal with this stuff too. They have their first kid and they go crazy because it's like, it's so overwhelming. And I think society puts a insane amount of pressure on men to provide and to be a certain way and to not show your emotions and to not, quote unquote, fail in all this old school mentality. And it's the pressure. It's wild. And like my sisters are are all married. They've all my sister Christine has experienced a divorce and now she's remarried and she has two kids with this guy and kid from a previous marriage. My sister Debbie just had twins. My other sister, Carrie, just had twins. Jesus, you got oh, nieces, nephews. It's insane. My sister-in-law and my brother have five kids. So it's like I've really seen it from all spectrums and watching my sisters become moms and experience like my sister, Carrie, actually, in our last episode, she is not one to really open up. And she's opened up significantly since we've done this podcast. It's really cool. And she talked about how her depression, like she was really struggling. And I can't remember if she said it was more anxiety or depression, but she decided to get on medication. And for her, like she's a natural person. Like she does things. She eats natural food. She gives her kids natural, like that's holistic. just holistic. Exactly. I couldn't think of the words. Okay. And so she basically decided to get on medication. And like that was really hard for her just because of the stigma around the medication. And how it's perceived and stuff. So it's been quite the journey. And for me, I realized in order to reduce that anxiety, I needed to cut alcohol out of my life. Me too. So then totally. So I went and I knew kind of from a young age that I was alcoholic. Like I just knew it. And it runs on my mom's side of the family. When my daughter was four months old, I decided to get sober. And then I started going to AA meetings and things of that sort. And that community really saved my ass and then therapy and then it just all started to get better good for you so let me ask you this you described in the hospital you had the beautiful moment then you then you started getting the anxiety does the postpartum happen that quickly or is there some time after the child is born because when I think of depression, I feel like it doesn't always pop up. It kind of lingers and then it grabs you. So I'm You're exactly to... right. So I think it comes in many different forms. So I found that with some women, it gradually happens. The depression gradually starts. For me, it was the anxiety right away. For a few friends of mine that I've talked to, it was the anxiety was right away. The depression, based on my understanding, but I don't want to speak on this like as if I 
know from experience, but from what I've heard from other women in my life who I know have struggled with it, it's a gradual progression. So it kind of comes on when you get home and it's it starts and it can start in the hospital, I believe. But I think it's different for everybody. And I think now women are starting to talk about it more. So it's kind of like we're starting to understand it more and be like, oh, okay, wait, that's what that was. But then you have these extreme cases where these women don't talk about it and then they're dead right. within the month or whatever it might be. And, and that's an actual hormone thing. hundred percent. Like it's not like a just, oh, I'm having weird thoughts. It's a fucking real- hundred percent. Medical- And you literally don't get, I think we don't put enough emphasis on hormones and like how our bodies- our bodies are affected by them. But I know for me, like, oh my God, my 20s was wild. Having Layla, getting sober, like, you know, getting sober. The way I crave sugar, it was like unlike anything I've ever experienced. I Really? Yes. I gained weight. I dropped weight. I gained weight. I dropped weight. When you were getting... Yeah. And then my hormones were changing. It's just, there's just a lot. It's just really hard on your body. And so... I think that sometimes we don't put enough emphasis on that, uh, just how difficult, because pregnancy is a modern day miracle. We see it and it, birth is a modern day miracle. So totally we, is. we just yeah. kind of like see it, but then- People just act like it's just, oh, that's that's what happens. Right. It's fucking actually- It's insane. If you watch it from start to finish, like yes. you bang your wife. Right. <laughs> next thing you know, there's a human being. Right. Like what the fuck just it's happened? It's the weirdest like, thing. And then, like, you have this. I remember seeing Layla and being like, oh, my God, like this alien has my nose and has my. And then you're supposed to. And this is the other thing, too, that people don't talk about. You're supposed to just, like, connect and be like, oh, I love this thing more than anything world. Don't get me wrong. The second Layla came out, I was like, I'm going to die for. Her. But, like, I got to get to know this kid. <laughs> I don't know you yet. I what are you doing? Know, exactly. It's like. I don't know you like that. <laughs> right. You got to like learn. It, it's just, it's weird. It's, I remember being like, she's kind of a stranger. <laughs> like it's a weird feeling because it, it makes you sense. just go from not having this person in your life right. to having this living being that it, you're like, I want to die for. That's now the most important person. Yes. Dude, so it's a crazy feeling. I legit. As a dad, so we have a 12-year-old and a three-year-old. I've dealt with, I guess you would call it postpartum anxiety from it, but it's not from hormones because I didn't have the baby. Yeah. But I remember the first night that we brought Annabelle home, I was 22 years old, and I was like- We were around the same age. I'm like, fucking people are letting me take this? (laughs) I'm like, how irresponsible of you, hospital, to say, here's a baby, go home, fucker. Yes. (laughs) Like, I remember being like, Oh, that was thoughts, right? And I was like, all right, cool. I put her in the car seat. I'm driving home. I'm like, okay. And then I get home. And like, I remember the first night, it was like two in the morning. And I'm like, I can't, my whole life, I could sleep whenever the fuck I wanted to. Uh-huh. Like, I go right to bed. 100%. And now it's, I remember having just like a weird, ugh, I know, pit. And it was like, I just grew up. A hundred Immediately just grew up. Percent. Yeah. And then with Aspen, this sounds fucking horrible, but Annabelle, I had, that was all I knew, the oldest one. Like my whole life, like until we had Aspen when Annabelle was nine. And I'm like, okay, Annabelle's my homie. We got this new fucker coming in or picture. And then the baby comes in. And I remember like the first two weeks, I was like, something's fucking wrong with me because I think I love my oldest one more than this one. Totally. And I feel fucking horrible for it. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God. And that went away. Totally. That kid is my 
the whole world. Yeah. The three-year-old is like my, but like, I remember having an absolute soul crushing anxiety over, mm -hmm. am I, am I horrible? Right. Like, I don't, right. I don't love that one. Like I love that one. Totally. And it was really weird. It's so and I know this common. Sounds, might sound terrible. No, it doesn't. It's so common. It's like, I even think about that with Layla. I'm like, gosh, if I, if I ever have another kid, it's going to be with someone different than Layla's dad. So it's mm -hmm. like, it's one of these things where it scares me. And I watched my sister, Christine, go through this. And she speaks to this a little bit. She has her son, Colton, from her previous marriage. And her thing was she never wanted Colton to feel like less than. And you can see even she is such a good mom. She adores her kids. But you can tell there's almost this, like a slight level of guilt with Colton. And just because mm, there's not, it, it was like, I can't speak to her experience, but like just from what she and I have talked about and stuff, it's almost like there's this, um, you just have a special place in your heart for your oldest. It's your first, and it's the one who made yes, you a parent. That's your exactly. first Exactly, and like she had gone through so much with Colton. And so it's just really interesting how that happens. Mm -hmm. And he's over here looking at yeah. us like, I'm loving this episode and I'm not saying a word. It's really, great. You know, it's funny to hear you talk about your experience. And then, Nikki, it's funny. Before you walked in, we had Rachel Jermack in, who's a school psychologist. And she talked about, I told her you were coming in. Yeah. You were going to talk to us a little bit about postpartum. She actually said exactly what you mentioned about how people don't realize that there is an effect on the father, the male, oh. during a postpartum. So my question is, what, and you touched on it a little bit, Brandon, but what things happen? Like, is it a depression for the male? And certainly it sounds like there's some anxiety. What other things happen to the guy right. that's involved with the postpartum? Well, I want to be careful on speaking to this in my experience, but I will say in my situation, it was very easy for me to look at Layla's dad and be like, you're a piece of shit. You're this way, blah, blah, blah. Knowing him now and having the relationship that we do, I learned so much from him because in that experience, I look at how he felt and I knew how he felt when this first happened, but I was so scared that my protectiveness, like I'm a, I'm a, the type of chick where when I get scared, I get tough. I don't get sad or crawl. I'm like, I'm going to kill you. Like you, you know, get mean. Yeah. I get mean. Yeah. And so with, but even worse then. And so with him, I didn't make it necessarily easy for him to come around. But I look back on that and I'm like, God, that must have been so scary for him. Like he, because I mean, candidly, we weren't really a serious thing. I mean, it was very much like a, it was not serious. Mm -hmm. It was casual. So it was very Situationship. Situationship. So, so, so it was something, I mean, we had both, our lives had changed overnight. And your and kids, we basically, were kids. right? We were 20, kids. early 20s. And I can I can look at that and I can look at his situation with such empathy and be like, gosh, I can't imagine being a 20-something-year-old guy, living the life that he was living, having debt and whatever else, and then being like, I'm going to be a dad. You know, it's just really, it's very intense. And I think men, from what I've seen, and I can't speak to it, but they either kind of, duck out or they just get this level of anxiety and fear that almost takes over and it's so interesting because i've been reading articles on this and stuff and just the way 
men are in relationships and things of that sort. And it's almost like men, when you grow up, uh, what I've seen, and it's been interesting even seeing this with my nephews and stuff, I feel like as men grow up, you're taught that you have to be tough. You have to be strong. You can't show weakness. You can't cry. You can't do any of these things. And if you do any of that, you're weak. And then you have this child come into the world and you love them, but you don't feel as connected to them because you didn't give birth to them, which is normal. And then it's like, oh my God, what's wrong with me? But you're not taught to talk about it. Mm -hmm. So then you don't talk about it and then you're carrying this shit around. I will tell you, if I didn't talk about the stuff I had going on, my head would have fucking exploded. Mm -hmm. And so I can't imagine, I can't imagine being a guy. And it's like, I think it's really easy because I, I was guilty of this. It's really easy to kind of count men out and be like, you're a piece of shit. How, how do you feel this way? Like you've gotten everything you could ever want. You're top dog in this society like it's very very easy to do that but when you can look at it and be like okay obviously like the way we've been raising men in this society isn't sustainable so like maybe it is on all of us to change that narrative a little bit and i think that just goes back to the thought of men aren't able to express their feelings the way women are and not all men that's true but i mean it's like and I just see the level of even the way my my dad handled my mom's death. Like he went into work mode, you know, like he was there. He was on top of shit. And I see him. and I'm just like, God, I can't imagine the level of hurt and pain that he felt that he couldn't even feel in those moments that he just had to bulldoze through. And now we're all out of the house. And it's like, oh, shit. I still got these feelings. You know what I mean? It's Dude, it's really intense. You are honestly, I love your level of empathy and your like maturity level of recognizing that kind of shit. Like you are seem very selfless. Oh, like, thank like, you. That is so nice. No, I mean that. Like you're just like oh, all, that's crazy. I've never no, heard anybody years of intense therapy. That's fucking awesome. That's Nigel Lester, dude. That's I'm going that fucking guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, but and and also Aisha is my other therapist. I got a what's her name. Aisha. What's her last name? Levinsky. Yeah. I know her husband, John, really well. Do you really? One of my best friends, John Levinsky. Shut up. Yeah, I swear to God. He's he's an O'Fallon cop. You're kidding me. That's one of my best friends. She's like legitimately saved my freaking life. She's my therapist. Oh, that's awesome. Oh my God. Shout out to Aisha. Love you. Yeah. She's the freaking best. That's fucking funny. That is wild. Yeah, I mean, I talk to him almost every day. Oh my God. She's like the greatest. Yeah. I'm so thankful to have her in my life. She, he, yeah, he, yeah. I, that is amazing. Insane. I yeah. Wow. What a fucking world. That is really cool. Cause you're I'm Webster like, Grove. Yeah. Yeah. I know. That's funny. I found out about her through a friend of mine and actually the way I found out about her, I was struggling with the intrusive thoughts really bad. And I reached out to a friend of mine who sees her, not going to name names. And I said, I'm really struggling. She's like, and my this friend of mine is very calm, cool, and collected. She is not one to be stern. And she said to me, she was like, Nikki, you're fucking calling her. Like, call her right now. I was like, okay. So I called her. She got me in. And I was like, all right, these are my problems. <laughs> and then she's like, okay. Yeah. And she broke my walls down, man. Yeah, she's she's awesome. Oh, that's my funny. God. That's crazy. Yeah, well, when you said Aisha, I'm like, I know one fucking, there's only one person in the world. That is wild. I'm like, am I allowed to say her name? Around here, I mean. That's a 
Yeah. That is insane. This is St. Louis in a nutshell. I, I know, know you're right. Every time we're not close that. to Webster, but it, it's... Right. You know how St. Louis is. Great that family. Is so cool. We have covered so much here. Let's take a quick break and come right back. We've been here for over 70 years, giving back to community charities, local organizations, and youth athletics. And now we're the official automotive sponsor of St. Louis City SC. We've been here, providing the best car buying experience to our customers. Lou Fuse, we are here with the respect you deserve for 70 years and counting. The Street Smart Mental Health Podcast is powered by Birdies for Bipolar. Birdies for Bipolar aids veterans and civilians living with mental illness by using golf as recreational therapy. For more information, check out birdiesforbipolar.org. That's birdies, the number four, bipolar.org. Welcome back to Street Smart. Let's dig back in. Truly, I mean, that woman, I credit her. She is the one that helped me. So she actually taught me about, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this, but it ties into what we're talking about, internal family systems. So it's a form of therapy called, I, and it's short, it's IFS. And basically what it is when you've experienced some level of trauma, and it can be anything, like it can be your experiences, whatever it might be, you take on these parts. And it sounds like you're like schizophrenic talking, but when you listen to this, it's, it's really um, it's interesting, but people freak themselves out because they're immediately like, oh, my God, I have these parts of myself like is something wrong with me. But no, it's you get these almost like internal voices mm-hmm. and there's different levels to it. And there's ones that are called like protectors, reactors. I forget what the third is called your protector. So like for me, my protector is let's say when I got my latest job, that was like I was going outside of my comfort zone. And my protector came in and was like, Nikki, this is too much, too quick. You can't do this. It's too hard. What if you fail? What if this? And it can keep you from doing things that would help you grow. And because the second that they like a protector senses some kind of failure, then it's like, oh, God, let's dip out. And it's just to avoid things like what I experienced, abandonment, her fear, whatever it might be. And so it's these parts that play out and it essentially kind of controls your life. And if you're not dealing with it and you don't understand how to calm those parts of yourself, it's really hard to like live authentically. And she has helped me with that significantly. So like that part has been really, really transformative to me as far as just calming my anxiety and things like that. Have you guys, do you guys watch Ted Lasso? Mm-hmm. Have you watched not the all latest this, season? Not, not the latest. Okay, so you know how he has those panic attacks? Yes. So in the latest episode, he has a panic... Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I won't give it away, but he <laughs> almost has a panic attack because his son had been going through something. He couldn't get to him. And it was like, I like how they portray his panic attacks because it's very accurate to how a panic attack actually is. And it's like there's like a ringing noise. He starts to shake. His hands start to shake. He starts to breathe. And he says to himself, he's okay. He's okay. He's okay. Talking about his son. That's a big thing what I do. So like I will feel the rush of anxiety. Mm -hmm. 
And I'm like, oh, fuck. And I feel like my my heart rate's up. I mean, I'll look at my my heart rates at like 100 beats per minute. Like I'm freaking anxious as hell. And I will do this breathing exercise that Aisha taught me. And I'll like calm my nervous system down. And then it's like, I'm centered and I'm good. But that took me years. To, it took me years to even know what that feeling was. We're just not taught this stuff. Yeah. I learned a lot about panic attacks. I, I struggled with them for, for years. And yeah. uh, I mentioned this woman, Dr. Claire Weeks, on almost every episode that she's, I never met her. She died years ago, but she's, uh, she would teach the, what's called second fear. Yeah. Second fear is you just said that, oh, fuck, look at my watch. Right. So the first fear is like a little symptom that you might feel in your body. Then the second fear is what fucks you up. Totally. That's whenever you add that, oh, fuck to it. Right. That's when it goes down. So basically she teaches a lot of uh, floating and acceptance. And the anxiety attack is like a wave. And instead of standing up at the beach and trying to stop the wave, yes. just let the fucker, just let it pour over you and it fucking goes away. Totally. But if you sit there and you try to combat it or right. how do I get it to go away? And you're fucked. So let me pull this into a complete circle. Yeah. She has an uncle named Greg who's done a bunch of amazing work. I was just going to say that. In the anxiety community, he has an anxiety. It's kind of like an AA meeting for people that have anxiety at Centerpoint Hospital for like 12 years now. Yeah. So I've talked with Greg at length. Greg wrote a book about anxiety. Oh, and OCD. And OCD, right? And uh, two things right there. Anxiety. And intrusive thoughts, like OCD well, and intrusive thoughts. And so I, I had spent a lot of time with Greg and he's really good in this area. And you're the first person I met, Brandon, that had the same approach that Greg does you know, most people, when they have the anxiety, they want to push it away, right? Greg was the first person until I met you that you guys have both said the same thing. Let it come. Let it come to you. You know, accept it, right? Accept. Yeah. Loosen and accept. That's yeah. Clear and, and we'll get him in here at some point. That'd be fantastic. And um, I love that. Oh, yeah. That'd I mean, I, I, you know, I think that you and he would be able to really connect on how you handle the anxiety. Nikki, what, what kind of other things are, are the Sandstone Sisters podcast uh, focusing on? Have you guys- yeah, for sure. One thing we're, is we're focusing on a bunch of different things, but one of our latest episodes, we talked about our different reactions. It kind of just fell into this, but we talked about family trauma and our different reactions to how our mom passed. And this is actually something I found out that like most families don't really talk about this stuff when it happens. And one of the things that me and my sister said to each other is we're like, the thing that's cool about this podcast is like no one may listen to it, but it's going to help us heal a lot of stuff. Yeah. I was like, it's like your own therapy session. Yeah. Just talking about yeah. it. Like I'm in a so, therapy session right you. now. So we had a, a former police officer in here last weekend mm -hmm. and I didn't think anything like special happened. I mean, it was a good interview. It was inter interesting to hear his take on what ha he worked in Ferguson. Yeah. He texted me the next day and he said, hey, thanks a lot. That turned out to be really cathartic. And that's what you're talking about. It's cathartic for you guys. 100%. What happened? You, you've mentioned that about this too. Right. Right. And it's interesting because it's really helped us. I just feel a closeness to, I've always felt close to my sisters, but I feel a closeness to them now that I've never felt. And it's the, one of the things that we talk about too, is we all parent differently. We all make different decisions on how we parent. And like, just because we parent differently or we like have different beliefs, it doesn't mean that we can't coexist and talk to one another. And I think that's so important in today's society. We talk about that. We've talked about postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety. We touch on things that we wish we would have heard before we became moms. 
and just generally being women in today's society, being working moms, being single moms, being divorced moms, or just being women, like not just moms. And for us, like we just hope that by us opening up to one another and kind of slowly healing our own internal beliefs that we have, maybe with each other, that like it will allow other people to do that same thing and to really maybe heal. Absolutely. Yeah. It's wonderful. And you guys can really speak to it. Totally. You know? Totally. And that's on Spotify or how do they find So it's on YouTube right now. We're just doing it via StreamYard, but we are going to be on- record them. Yeah, we record them. Okay, cool. So we're going to be on- um, I should start doing that. Apple, you guys are doing it the right way. We're going to start being on Apple and Spotify at some point. We're figuring that out. We're not too professional. Oh, well, the, the Podfather will help you. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. We're going to shout out to the Podfather. We're going right. to reach out to the Absolutely. Podfather. Uh, and I want to say this while I'm thinking about it. I knew your mom. Mm-hmm. I knew her probably before you were born. Yeah. And I was on the same swim team as your older brothers. And I can remember vividly finishing a swimming race and then going to the table to get like my ribbon. Mm-hmm. And she always sat in the same place, like in the chairs near the end of the pool. And she was literally the most beautiful woman, one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen in my life. And I was like seven years old or eight years old. Yeah. And I I love that you guys are doing this. I mean, obviously you guys are doing your podcast to help other people and it's going to help you guys, but it, part of it is in honor of her, I would think. And she was just such a, such a gorgeous lady. And and every time I would go by after a race, she would always say, way to go, Mike. And I I can hear it in my ears. And uh, I hadn't thought about her in a long time. It was good. I'm glad you, you know, brought her up and we had a chance to talk about her because she was just a lovely lady. I love, no, I, I mean, I love hearing that. And probably like the biggest compliment I ever get is people, I remember people used to look at me, especially when I was a kid or, you know, whatever, and still do. And they're like, God, you look just like your mom. Like my dad, we were at, we were in Fort Lauderdale recently as a family. And I heard him look over to my sister and be like, she just looks just like mom. And it's, it's just such a good feeling because her laugh, like every, I mean, she just glowed like in, and it goes to show that depression doesn't discriminate but at the same time it really doesn't and and at the same time because she was so loved i mean my dad loved her i mean they the way they loved each other was unlike anything i've ever seen and she loved and adored her kids and so she loved her life but it just took over and like but what i think is important too is to touch on the person before the depression so like for me, the what I remember of my mom, she used to call me, so my name's obviously Nikki. She used to call me Schnickle Pickle. <laughs> I remember perfectly. Word. I know. And she just did. There was this one time, you're going to appreciate this story, actually. Botch. So Botch is my oldest brother. He's a pain in the ass. And his real name he, is Anthony. His real name is Anthony. He's short. It's, it's Tony <laughs> is his name. Tony. So we call him Botch. And Thanks for clarifying. I wanted to help you out. I was really, you actually like him. Like, right, right, okay. exactly. And so Tony was messing with me one time when I was a kid and he was like, oh my gosh, he was just messing with me so bad. And I, I don't know, he was like a teenager and I was like 10. And my mom was just not having it. And she used to wear these black leather boots, like these heeled boots with jeans. And it was like in the nineties and she had that long, pretty hair that she. Oh Yeah. Pod just would not stop. And my mom walked in. It's so funny because people are like, oh, your mom was so sweet. Your mom. 
she was tough. Like she was freaking tough, man. And she was sweet as hell and she could cook and she was the freaking smartest lady. Like she was amazing, but she was tough. She took no shit. And <laughs> he was screwing with me. And she freaking came up and she kicked him right in his ass <laughs> and, goes, <laughs> and goes, stop messing with your sister. And Vach was like, mom. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Just great. a crazy family with seven kids. And I remember being so happy. I was like, that's what you get. That's what you get, Bot. Oh, Botch. Right. Botch, you Botch. got it. You got it. Yeah, there's these different nicknames that float through the Sansone family. Yeah. Some people don't have them. Some people do. Yeah. Some of them, the names, you're like, that name, why, why does that fit? And then you hear the story. Oh, like, oh I get it. They get it's it. absolutely it horrendous. Do you have a nickname? Oh, my God. What's Schnickle, yours? Schnickle Pickle. I have two, actually. I have, so my dad calls me G for G-Dog. We started calling each other Dog when I was like All right. 10, which <laughs> is normal. The second one is, can't even believe I'm saying this live, is Scum. What? <laughs> Who named you that? Hey, Scum. That, that doesn't my seem so correct. My dad started and Mike would like be in my office setting and be like, hey, scum. And I'm like, Mike, I'm simply begging you not to do this. And it was because I think it was one morning I forgot to brush my teeth when I was a kid. Um, and then, you know, it goes in once it goes in, it's sticking. And now it's scum. Uh, my favorite name in that is Buff. Because they got yeah. one they call Buff. Do you know why they Which call him that? Buff? I don't. I do. Which one's this? This is Nick's brother. Oh, um, brother. Tim is oh, his real uncle. name. But they called him Buff because when he was a baby, he was big and fat like a water buffalo. <laughs> oh, but they so thought it doesn't work now. No. He's in great shape. No, no. <laughs> he is now, though. Like last time I saw him, he was running down Such good shape. Uh, Clayton Road. I think it was a clay or maybe Lit Singer. He was running, he was jogging, and yeah. I was at a stop sign. I saw him. I rolled down my window. What's up, Buff? Hey, Mike. God, that's short for Buffalo. Yeah, it's Water Buffalo because he was big and fat when he was a baby. God, and God. now his son, so his son's <laughs> name's Tim. He's named after him. And like his nickname was Buff, too. Like, oh, okay. Like, yeah. They had an, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, 100%. Junior. Buff yeah. Junior. Yeah. Oh, man. Junior. So good. I know. Funny. Well, Nikki. I love this episode. Most of the episodes or some of the episodes, I should say, not all of them. I get this hair raising up on the back of my neck when people are talking, and I got that today when you guys were discussing yeah. some of these things. So yeah. thank you for uh, for coming in to see us. Please check out the Santone Sisters podcast on YouTube right now. Yeah. Right? And hopefully, uh, maybe we'll, we'll get you with the Podfather so you can extend. Love it. So that's Nikki Santone from my partner, Brandon McNamee. I'm Michael Wellington. Come back and see us next time on Street Smart. Thanks. Love you. Bye.